you're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this Saturday morning. Porik, good morning to you. Good morning, Deirdre. What a beautiful morning. What a beautiful week we've had in the garden. It's been brilliant, hasn't it? Extraordinary. Now, you're not in studio, as we have mentioned already this morning. And you tell me that you're sitting looking at a beautiful magnolia tree. Lucky you. I am. I'm actually sitting in my own garden. I don't think I've ever done the programme for my own garden before, but I'm sitting here looking at a beautiful, probably a 10-foot uh, white magnolia just coming into flower. The buds are just on it. It's absolutely a picture. Uh, so it's absolutely lovely. So I'm doing the, the programme this morning from my own garden and I'm actually looking forward to getting stuck into the garden now when we, when we finish. Okay. Uh, but yeah. look, <laughs> You'll probably see is, lots of things that need to be attended to now over the next hour while you're talking to us. But the, the week, uh, I suppose, you know, things have continued on in a similar vein to where we were at last week. Uh, in terms of uh, the retail aspect of gardening, uh, a bit of a challenge, I suppose, for lots of people still trying to get their hands on items. What's the current state of play? Yeah, and it's very, very frustrating for both us and for, for our listeners and for gardeners out there. I mean, the government have continued to ask us to stay closed, garden centres to remain closed to the public. Um, many garden centres are offering online services so you can purchase uh, your gardening items online for home delivery. And um, I mean, that's happening right throughout the country. And of course, the couriers are up to their uh, necks in, in deliveries as well. So deliveries are taking kind of, you know, up to five to maybe seven days to, to get through to people. But so online is still available, very much so if you go on to orchids.ie or or many of the other garden centres are offering on, online services. But unfortunately, garden centres are remaining closed and that's kind of a clear directive from from the uh, health, health officer and from the government themselves. So we're going to be staying closed probably, I would say, into May due to this stage. Okay. Um, certainly there's nothing... No, there's no indication that they're going to re- release the restrictions just yet. And it's such a shame with the weather being so good and people are anxious to get planting. And that good weather is into next week again. We're back into those high pressures and, and warm temperatures and cool nights all of next week. Um, so one of the things I was actually thinking about was, and, and I, I normally don't recommend it in April, but mm-hmm. the watering of plants, and particularly if you've got plants in pots and containers, I watered all of mine last night and I fed them all as well so if you've got plants in pots and containers I would advise today if you can get out there because the, the amount of rain we're going to get is going to be minimal and we're into a very dry week again next week so plants are beginning to suffer particularly those in pots if they're in the ground they're perfectly fine but those in pots and containers around your patio my advice is to get those watered today and give them a good heavy dredge you don't have to be watering them every day wash them maybe twice a week or three times a week but give them a good heavy soak and when we wash them, this is the time of year as well, to liquid feed them. So use something like Miracle Grow or Blooming Magic to give them a little bit of boost now because the growth is certainly starting. So yeah. that's the first thing I'd do. Okay. Um, so lots of other things you can be doing. I mean, again, the what I'm seeing again in my own garden is the warmer weather has certainly encouraged the uh, early summer flowering plants to come into bloom, but there's lots of insects around as well. So keep an eye out for aphids in particular on things like your lupins, on your roses, because roses have made significant growth in the last week, um, particularly if you've pruned them back. If you haven't pruned your roses, do it this weekend, feed them, and that growth will come on this coming week. But if you have lots of young growth on plants like lupins, like um, roses in particular, then keep an eye out for, for aphids because they enjoy this really warm weather as well. They're beginning to hatch. And again, prevention is better than 
trying to cure the and problem later on this summer. Poricum, I suppose, because I'm conscious we're probably talking to lots of new gardeners as well at the minute uh, by virtue of the last number of weeks. So when you talk about keeping an eye out for aphids, where exactly should people look? Okay, so you'll always see the aphids around, around the tender shoots. They love the tender shoots, the new growth, because what aphids effectively do, and what we're talking about are things like white fly, green fly, uh, black fly. You'll see them on the tips of the shoots, and um, they tend to gather in clusters. They breed very, very quickly, particularly in warm weather. And basically what they do is they suck the protein. They actually inject with their nostril, they inject the stem of the plant and they suck the sap out of the plant. So they're taking the the um, nutrition and protein out of the plant so your plants become stunted. And a, a, a telltale sign is if the young shoots are quite sticky. So you get this kind of sticky residue as well where aphids are a problem. But my advice really is just to keep an eye out for it. You don't necessarily have to just spray it. Just be vigilant and just be, I suppose, aware of it. And particularly on young growth, it can be very destructive. So we do see that when we get a warm spring, that not only do the, the leaves come out and the, and the flowers start to, to bud, but the insects start to, to come forward as well. And use one of the organic treatments. So something like Bug Clear, there's an organic spray called Bug Clear. It's very safe on fruit and vegetables. You can actually put it on today and eat the crop the following day. It's that safe. But that's also very effective on flowering plants as well. So it's really just to keep an eye out for it more than anything else and, and just be aware of it. It's also the time, I mentioned about feeding plants in mm. pots and containers. If you've got bulbs in the garden, many of our daftas are beginning to go over now. They're looking a little sad at the moment. But this is the time of year to actually feed them. Deadhead, take off the old flowers, tidy them up if you want, and uh, then feed them. Give them a couple of liquid feeds like the tomato feed, just to build them up for next year. And that can, you can do that with tulips and with crocuses because the bulbs are building, building up their energy at this time of year. And the general feeding of plants here as well. So if you have, you know, garden shrubs or hedging or uh, fruit trees in your garden, this is the time of year in April where we feed all garden plants. So because they're, they're naturally growing, they're coming into leaf, they're using lots of energy at the moment. And if we do get a bit of dew at night time or a little bit of rain over the weekend, that helps to wash the fertilizer in as well. So it's very much into the feeding of plants. As I mentioned, watering plants are in pots and containers and keeping an eye out for, for aphids. Okay. Slugs and snails, of course, are, are uh, they're always there. They always seem to be there, but particularly if people are putting out young plants or any, any uh, seedlings or any smaller plants, keep an eye out for the slugs and snails as, as well. Remember I, I mentioned Nora last week and she goes out at night time and picks hers. Yes. But just keep, keep an eye out particularly if you're putting out young plants. And just, I suppose, in relation to some of, you know, those products that deal with uh, the insects and aphids um, yeah. and the ones you mentioned there, um, if people don't have them at home, they're the kind of things that can be ordered online, I presume. Exactly. They're, they're perfect for home delivery. So you can get those online and they'll be shipped out within a couple of days. But most people will have some products in their in their shelves from last year that'll be perfectly usable as well. Okay. And even if you've got old seeds from last year, it's often the question I get asked, if, you, if you've got old seeds from last year, they're still perfectly viable. Even though the sell-by date might be might be last year's, you can still use them. So carrot seed and parsnip seed, cabbage and so on. If you've got old seed packets, sow them, get them into the ground, they'll be perfectly fine. You know, you'll get certainly 80 to 90% germination from them. So don't be worried about kind of 
you know, old seed packets that you might have found in the cupboard or in right. the shed. They don't, go, they, they don't go off in that sense. Well, event, eventually they do, but um, they tend to lose their, their uh, germination kind of over a number of years. So, but, but certainly, you know, seed that's within five years of its date is still perfectly viable okay. and, and um, you can sow it into the garden soil now or sow them in seed trays and start them off. Remember that frost is still with us in the cooler temperatures at night time. Even today, it's quite cool out there. So be careful about putting out plants too early. So if you have raised plants like tomato plants or marigolds or dahlias, keep them indoors for another couple of weeks because the temperatures at night time, it's tempting to put them out, but it is quite chilly. And I would keep them in, um, you know, for, for another couple of weeks. Just mm-hmm. those tender plants like chilies, peppers, tomatoes. If you have them in your greenhouse or tunnel, remember to put the the uh, fleece on them at night time just to protect them as well because we can be caught with frost at this time of year but hardier plants can go outside so you can sow the seed of hardy plants and vegetables directly out of doors now and the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for the sowing of plants out of doors and um, camellias and spring flowering plants so i mentioned the magnolia in my mm. garden that's flowering beautifully this is the time of year to feed spring flowering plants as well because they're coming into flower, they're using lots of energy and you're building them up for next year again. So particularly camellias, they've been beautiful for the last couple of months. Now is the time to liquid feed them and bring them on. And rhododendrons, azaleas, magnolias, all those spring flowering plants will benefit. They're really early summer flowering plants. They'll benefit from a feed at this time of, of the year. And so the they're end. the type of things to be doing. Okay, great. Um, I suppose because we have the extra bit of sunshine as well in the last couple of weeks, uh, that that's probably assisting all of those kind of plants in, in bringing them on. So you're really going to end up, I suppose, with a great, hopefully, flush of colour anyway over the next yeah. couple of weeks. Absolutely, it's going to be very helpful. And, and actually, the cooler temperatures at night time help to slow down the flowering as well. So I'm going to enjoy the magnolia, I know, for, for several weeks because of that kind of cooler. We have that lovely mix of um, nice temperatures during the day, but also that cooler temperatures in the evening and early morning. So plants are flowering, but they're not going out of flower very quickly. They're actually staying in flower. I'm, I'm looking at some winter flowering heathers here in my garden. I'm itching to get cutting them back, but they're still so fabulous I'm going to leave them for another week or fortnight and um, so you know it's it's um it's been a, a remarkable start to to uh, late spring and early summer it's been great really okay great stuff well we're going to take a break we've heaps and heaps and heaps of questions Porik um, okay. so we'll try to get through as many of them as possible over the next 40 minutes or so Porik, loads uh, to tackle into so top of the list uh, my father has dug ridges to sow potatoes and he's looking for seed spuds Mary pa- Maris Pipers or records it would be great help if uh, we could find them anywhere are they still available Porik? They're like hen's teeth. Right, They're okay. like hen's teeth. They're very, very hard to get. But look, at take that man's number and I'll give a buzz later on and we might be able to look after him in some way. But but uh, for the rest of you listening, the potatoes are really finished for this year. Okay. Um, so they're, 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 yeah, they're gone for this year, certainly with us anyway, but I might have a few squirreled away. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a lady has a cherry blossom. It's 12 years old. Uh, it's six foot from the house. Are the roots dangerous and can they grow under the foundation? The answer is yes, they can. And, and like cherry trees have a very uh, surface rooting. The, the roots stay very close to the surface on cherries. And if it's anything like Prunus cansam, which can grow to 30 feet comfortably 
Um, six foot from the from the main house is is way too close, in my view. Um, now, if it's a modern house, generally the foundations are you know stable enough not to to be affected by trees that in that close pro- proximity. But you know you're going to have the branches overhanging the the slates and the roof the, uh, structure as well. So my advice would be to move that tree and do that next winter, dig it up and transplant it. Even though it's 12 years old, it will still transplant. Um, because the roots of, of uh, cherries in particular are very surface rooting and it will have reached the house at this stage after 12 years, it will it easily, the roots will be close to the foundation. And so I would move it, to be honest. And that's, you know, that's the thing about planting trees. You've got to pick a tree to suit the location and cherries need to be away from the house. They are a very uh, vigorous tree. They're big and, and the root structure is something similar. Okay. So... So my advice would be to move it next winter. Okay, and I suppose a lesson in there as well that if uh, you know people are planning, think about these things long term and where these plants are going to be at in ten or fifteen years time. Um, yes. What, what what do we say about a weed? What is a weed? A weed is a plant in the wrong location, and mm. in this instance, you know the, the cherry is in the long wrong location. It needs to be out into the you know garden area. Um, certainly six feet is very close. If it was 10, 15 feet, I'd say no, you know, it, you know, it'd be fine, but, but certainly needs to be back from the house. Okay. Now, I have a large shrub bed. It's covered in gold chippings about three inches deep. Could you tell me, how, could I pull back some of the chippings and plant some more shrubs and then put the chipping back around the shrubs? Oh, yeah, 100%. Now, yeah, absolutely. So all you do is scoot, shoot back the, the gravel, just clear it back, cut a, an X into the mypex material, dig up the, the soil and maybe put it into a bucket to one side just to keep the chippings clean, replant a new shrub into it and exactly as the listener says, just backfill, firm it down and put the chippings back and it'd be perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, I know uh, the seed potatoes aren't really available but somebody is wondering, can we sow potatoes and cabbage in June? Asks Paki. He's uh, 80 years young, we're told. Gardening. Good man. Good man. Uh, well, uh, absolutely. Look at normally potatoes are planted up until the ash comes into leaf, which is normally well into May. And um, the, 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 the trouble you'll have this year is actually just getting the seed. Now, having said that, if you have some uh, sprouted curs pinks in your in your uh, kitchen larder or some roosters that are sprouting, rather than dumping them, plant them, and they will grow and they'll be fine. They're not obviously certified like the seed that we normally sell, but potatoes that you have in your in your kitchen larder can absolutely be planted as well and they'll grow perfectly fine. So, um, yeah, June you can still plant and cabbage and, and vegetable plants can be right planted right through the summer up until autumn. We often sow lots of autumn and winter veg in the months of uh, August, September, you know, even into October with the Japanese onion set. So you can continue to plant right through the summer period. Now, a person has a laurel hedge and it hasn't been trimmed at all for a number of years, Porak. It has gotten okay. obviously very high and very broad. So they're wondering, is this something that they can do now? Can they start trimming it at this point? Yes, well, you know, it goes back to my, it's like, it's like plants are like training children. You have to start as young as possible. And, and look at, they're uh, leaving them to grow at all. They get leggy, they get um, unwieldy and, you know, uh, my advice is always when you're planting young hedging plants, trim back the tops and the sides the day you plant them and do that every year after that to get them to fill in and thicken in really well. Having said all that, there's no problem. You can cut maybe a foot, 15 inches off them, trim the sides as well. And by trimming them, it encourages the hedge to fill in and become nice and dense and really full. So do that today if you can. Trim it back you know, and that'll thicken the whole hedge up and trim it every year after that. And for people planting you 
hedging plants in particular, they need to be trimmed from the year you put them in to give them a nice shape and get them nice and bushy and nice and dense. And again, this is the time of year to feed hedges as well, to green them up. Okay. Now, a listener has a gooseberry bush, and now at first it was full of fruit, but nothing has grown on it in three years. Is there anything she can do? Well, when she says nothing grows, and hopefully the leaves come on it, um, and 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 it's healthy. And if it is, well, then just leave it alone. You can give it a dressing of sulphur of potash at this time of year. So a handful of sulphur of potash around all fruiting plants is very beneficial because potash is the element that encourages flowering and fruiting in plants, and it settles plants down. So we often see this with fruit trees when you put them into the ground and they start to grow. They, they tend to put a lot of energy into producing leaves and stems at the expense of fruit. And potash helps to slow that process down. It gives them a little bit of a shock and it, it, it gets them to kind of settle down to flowering and fruiting. So a handful of potash, again, that will be available online around all fruit trees at this time of year, helps to settle them and helps to bring them into flower and into fruiting. Okay. Now, uh, I know we've been talking a little bit about turnips and boron in the past couple of weeks. Uh, We may have addressed this already, but we might just reiterate. The name of the fertiliser for turnips that contains boron. So the one one to use is one called Vitex Q4. Vitex Q4. Um, It's a granulated fertiliser. You mix it into the soil when you're sowing the seed, or if you have the turnips in the ground or suede, then put a handful of that around the base of them as well and just rake it in and um, that has the, the much needed boron. It has plenty of other nutrition as well and the Vitex can, Q4 can be used on all vegetable plants, not just turnips and suede. It's suitable for onions and cabbage and so on. Okay. Now the old cabbage root fly, Parik, uh, what's ah, the, yes. the best organic treatment? My plants are seven inches high, they're nice and strong but I want to stop okay. the root fly and also, and I see there's a couple of questions on slugs so I'll, I'll leave that for a moment, but for now the, okay. the, the carrot root fly. Cabbage root fly um, is, is a small insect that lays the eggs at the base of the carrots or the cabbage stem. You can get a, a, um, an organic treatment called a cabbage collar. So it's literally a collar that has, um, it's actually impregnated with copper. So not only does it keep the cabbage root fly away, it'll keep slugs away as well. So you simply you just slip that around the base of the plant and that will physically stop the cabbage root fly from laying the eggs on the on the uh, at the base of the stem. So you slip it around the base of the the cabbage stem, and that will keep it perfectly safe. And that could be done now. So they're called cabbage uh, collars, cabbage collars, cabbage so collars. slit in around the the, the, the um, base of the stem of the plant. Okay, excellent. Now I am going to come to slugs, and I see there's a couple of questions in. I even have a couple of photographs here on WhatsApp. Um, for example, uh, cabbage plants uh, bought uh, prior to lockdown in the tunnel, but they're being eaten by something, and it looks fairly slug-like uh, from my uh, relatively inexperienced Iboric. Um Any advice? Um, also, th- this person just wanted to say thanks for the brilliant quick delivery of lawn feeds received during the week. Oh, great, great. And it's absolutely brilliant weather for for anybody sowing new lawns. So if you've got a new house and you want to get your lawns in, it's absolutely brilliant weather for preparing the soil and getting the seed in. So it's a, a super time for that. In terms of slugs and snails, Deirdre, look at, you know, they're nocturnal. They come out at night time. Um, you know, if you want, you can go out and pick them, but you can use the organic treatments as well. So there are plenty of organic pellets available. They look like the traditional slug pellet, but they're organic in nature, so they have um, iron and phosphates in them that actually kills the slug, but doesn't is very safe for children and pets and doesn't affect your plants. It's, it's actually, the pellet 
turns back into a fertiliser and goes back into your soil. So look for those. Um, Bear do one, for example. There's one called Eraser that works really well as well. So look for the organic treatments that are, that are available at the moment. And, and I suppose, look, little and often is, is the, the trick with the organic pellets. And, you know, stay on top of particularly young plants, so young cabbage or young veg, uh, plants like hostas, those sort of plants, as they're coming through the soil now, need to be protected. So a little amount of the organic pellets on a regular basis, that just keeps the, you know, a small bit of damage later on in the season is no harm, but at this stage, seedlings can be destroyed overnight with slugs and snails. Okay. Now, we've got a couple of questions on geraniums, different kinds of geraniums, Porik. First of all, uh, somebody has sent us a picture of their uh, geranium lemon fizz, or is it... Oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, at some, one they purchased a couple of years ago. This is Andrew, who's in Chichester in West Sussex. Good morning, Andrew. Um, so he's just wondering, will it flower? If it flowers, how can he encourage it to flower? Okay, well, so lemon fizz is that beautiful geranium. It's called the lemon-scented geranium because it's got lemon. As soon as you touch it, it's got this fantastic, beautiful lemon scent. And I always recommend it at this time of year because it's a great plant for to have in your home because the scent is there when you're coming in in the evenings, but also it helps to deter flies from the windowsills and so on. Um, now, it's, it's not noted for its flowering ability. It does flower and has small pink flowers. And again, if you feed it with a high potash feed, like a tomato feed or phosphogen, that will encourage it to come into flower for you. But it's mainly grown for its, its scented foliage. And um, so, you know, put it on a bright windowsill. Don't overwater it. Feed it about once a month. And if it's in full sun, you will get some flowers on it. But it's not as colourful or as dramatic as the regular flowering geranium. So I would grow orange or lemon fizz or orange fizz for its scent rather than for its flower. Um, but it's a brilliant plant. My dad actually has one in, in the house. And uh, last year it grew to about two feet on his, at his patio window. And I was, I was down with him about a couple of weeks back and he had pruned it to within an inch of the soil. And it has all reshooted again beautifully. Fantastic. So it's an amazing plant. It's a really tough, kind of hardy uh, plant. And uh, even I wasn't expecting it to regrow again, but I pressed it within a couple of, of uh, weeks and it has re-sprouted again. And so Boric, it's one of those, yeah. is, 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 is the lemon fizz, is, can that be put outdoors as well or is indoors? Or which, was the, which is the it, best environment for it? It's, 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 it's typically an indoor plant, planted, uh, you know, planted in a pot inside a patio window or in a bright windowsill. Having said that, you can put it out any time from June, if you wish, out of doors. But it's, it's better kept in a kind of conservatory or warm area because the scent, then you get, because of the heat, the oils, the essential oils excrete the scent. And even when you come in in the evening time, you get this beautiful lemon scent coming into your home. So um, I would keep it indoors on a, on a bright, sunny location. It slips and propagates so easily from cuttings as well. And every couple of years, it's a good idea to propagate it from cuttings. Either cut it really hard back or start some cuttings and, and kind of rejuvenate the plant and maybe get rid of the older plant as it as it gets older. Um, but okay. it, like any geranium, it's a really simple plant to grow. Okay. But it's noted for its scented foliage rather than its flower. So, yes. um, you know. Oh, okay, so um, on to the more traditional one from, from West Sussex. We go to Mary in Westport, who's also sent us a photograph of a geranium. It's about three years old. Now, this is what I would call the more traditional, I, the ones I would associate with my yeah. granny years ago. Yes. Uh, so yeah. no sign of flowering on it at this stage. She's fed it with miracle Grow about a week ago. It's been on the porch all year round since she got it. It normally Great. flowers reasonably well every year. 
And so it will. We're only in April. We're only in the middle of April. I know it feels like summertime. I'm probably expecting everything to be in bloom. But that geranium won't come into flower until probably the middle of May and maybe towards the end of May. So Mary has done everything uh, per- perfectly fine. Mary de Gros is, is generally, generally better on leafier plants. So Mary should put maybe a high potash feed. So again, go back to the tomato feed or the phosgen or Bloomy Magic or three really good liquid fertilizers. Um, which, which are high in potassium or potash, which induces flowering in plants, like I mentioned, for the fruiting plants. So switch maybe away from miracle Grow and go to a tomato feed or, or Blooming Magic, one of those. And um, don't expect flowers on those geraniums, certainly until May. And, and look, at they'll flower the whole summer long, right nearly up to Christmas. So it's just a tad early. Okay. for the indoor geranium. Not, not to preface uh, the success or otherwise of the flowers, but the plant itself looks really healthy. So I would say... Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah and that's the miracle Grow. You see, miracle Grow is brilliant for bringing greenness into plants, but it's, it doesn't help to induce flowering as, as good as, say, the tomato feed or the bloomy magic feed. They, they just have a higher potassium level, whereas the miracle Grow has more nitrogen in it, so you get that lovely greening effect, which is perfectly fine, but maybe switching out to a to a tomato feed or a, um, um, a more high potash feed. Okay, lovely. Now, my yellow forsythii and red currants have finished flowering. Yep. New leaves are coming through. Uh, yep. Should I cut them back now and feed? Absolutely. And all spring flowering, any plants that are going over flowering. So forsythii has been blooming for the last number of weeks and it's just now going over. So yes, this is the time to prune them back. So all your spring flowering plants, things like winter flowering, honeysuckle, um, the forsythii, the red, the red currant, as the listeners mentioned, you know, even magnolias that might have gone over or camellias that are beginning to go over. Now is the time to to prune them back. Um, so you literally, with the forsythii, take at least um, eight and inches to two feet. You cut them quite hard back, give them a feed, and on the growth that produces this summer, it will flower next spring for you. Okay. So by all means, trim them back. Helen is wondering: Is grow more food okay for strawberry plants? Well, strawberries don't like too much feeding and Gromore comes both in a liquid form and in a granulated form. So for your strawberries, I would use the liquid form, but not too much of it. Give it one feed. That'll boost up the leaves, a bit like the miracle grow. Um, but leave them then to come into flower because if strawberries get too much liquid feeding and too much water, they tend to get lots of leaves at the expense of flower. So a little bit of hardship with your strawberries, no harm. So give it one feed with the Gromore and then ease off until you actually see the fruit forming which will be you know at least another month to six weeks and then start feeding again so um, keep them on a little bit of a diet now as before just before they come into flower and um, they'll, they'll produce more fruit for you now uh, we've a lovely photograph of a cucumber seedling on a windowsill and the question is Great. can we put the cucumber in the greenhouse now Cucumbers are very, very sensitive to temperature. So my advice is to keep it inside. What you're doing is working really well. So keep it inside. Be very careful with the watering of cucumber seedlings. So water from the bottom. So put it into a small little tray once a week and let it absorb the water up through the bottom of the pot. So don't put any water near the stem or the leaves of the cucumber or else it'll keel over. So just be careful with the watering. Keep it in the situation you have at the moment. And I wouldn't put it into the greenhouse until the middle of May. So at least another three to four weeks. Keep it cocooned inside <laughs> in the house. It's safer there. And um, particularly with cucumbers, any excessive watering tends to, um, you know, it tends to rot the stem. So right. ebb on the side of having it slightly underwater. So about once a week is enough to keep it watered. Great. Now, can we take cuttings from Red Robin at the moment or can we get a Red Robin growing from cuttings? 
Yes, you can. And, and at this time of year, as we come into, um, you know, as we're coming into May, it's, you get a lot of kind of young growth on plants. And we call that softwood cuttings. So it's new growth of the softwood. And that's a great time to take the cuttings of Fortinia red robin. So when they produce that lovely red foliage and stem, when they're about six inches long, that's the time to take the cutting. So leave them for about another maybe two weeks at the end of April, early May. Take the cutting about four to six inches long, strip off the leaves, dip it into a bit of rooting powder, insert it into some compost and cover it with a polythene bag and sit it on a bright windowsill indoors and put it in your greenhouse. And they will take about three to four weeks to root. Okay. So they're well worth trying. And you can do that with fuchsias and, and dahlias and lots of lots of, of plants at particularly in, in two weeks' time when you get that nice flush of new growth on the plant when it's about six inches long. And don't forget to use the little bit of rooting powder with them. Okay, fantastic. Now, just to uh, mention to people, some people have sent in uh, pictures for identification purposes. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that uh, this morning because uh, all, while I can see them poor, I can't see those particular photographs. So, uh, as we know, I'm not the expert here. Um, but we'll hang on and maybe address that next week. I see somebody as something that's indeed. 40 years old. Uh, so, so, and looking good so we'll come back to that now I'm weeding a raised bed that has never had anything set in it and I'm planning to set vegetables in it in the next few weeks I've discovered an annoying weed that my husband calls mare's tail it it is short with the green fur on top it's only in a few places but when I dig it up I see lots of roots under the soil I'm wondering can I just dig it up successfully and will it affect my vegetables um have all weeds to have in your raised bed mare's tail is probably the the, the worst um, and and the problem with it is the more you dig it the more you propagate it so the roots of mare's tail can go down you know a meter up to two meters into the soil and it, they're thread like so when you try to dig them they break and it just repropagates the plant the um the plant again now the good news is that mare's tail only grows to about 18 inches a foot to 18 inches so if you can grow taller like potatoes for example would be something that you could grow if you can get some seed potatoes to put them into that area because they'll grow quite tall and they'll actually smother the the mare's tail. But it is a it's a, it's a um, it's a troublesome weed and it's difficult to eradicate. And digging certainly will not be successful because any piece of the root that's left, and even when you're digging it, you're actually propagating the root and it just regrows again. What the other thing the listener could do, Deirdre, is to cover the surface with some mypex material. So that's that web material. And again, plant your vegetables through that. And that will help to suppress the mare's tail as well because you're excluding the light from the plant. Um, but mare's tail is, a, is very, very difficult to eradicate. And um, within, within a raised bed in particular, it's going to be, it's going to be problematic, okay, great. to be honest. Uh, we're going to have to take a quick break, Porik. So do stay with us and we're back after yep, these. Some of us are staying home alone and feeling very lonely. Connecting with friends and family can help. For advice on minding your mental health and information on supports and services, go to gov.ie slash together, an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Mulroy's Landis Brafie Road Castle Bar, home delivery service six days per week. So order from our in-store bakery, hot and cold deli, get your lotto, milk and bread, fresh fruit and vegetables, frozen foods, newspapers and all types of grocery. Call 087-6780-828. That's 087-6780-828. Mulroy's Landis Brafie Road Castle Bar. We're here to help. Stay safe. Can you claim the government's €350 Euro COVID payment? In this week's Irish Farmers 
Business Journal. Find out are you eligible for the weekly welfare payment? Grass buyers and exporters drive cattle trade. Garda advice for moving animals during lockdown. Cattle bidding goes online. We reveal the details. With the breeding season about to start, don't miss our top tips on getting cows back in calf. Plus, in Irish country living, our legal expert responds to readers' queries about being appointed executor of a will. Inside this week's issue, on sale today. COVID-19 is a major public health emergency here in Ireland and around the world. It's having a big impact on every aspect of our lives. We are now asked to stay at home with limited exceptions. This is especially hard for older people and those who've been advised to cocoon. Being isolated from friends and family is hard for everyone. So right now, it's important that we look out for each other and look after our neighbours. That's why national government, local government and the community and voluntary sectors have all come together to create the Community Call. To make sure that anyone who needs help can get help. And to make sure that people who would like to volunteer in their community can help where they are most needed. If you need help, if you know someone who needs help, or if you'd like to offer help, contact the Mayo Community Call Helpline on 094 906 4660. All the details are live now at gov.ie. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Now you're very welcome back. Okay, Porik, um, I know we talked a bit about wildflower gardens last week on the programme, but I suppose it's something that people definitely can be at at the moment because they're sowing from seed. Hello? Oh, I beg your pardon. Are we there? Sorry, I'm here again. Okay, yeah. Are, are, yeah. We, are we there now? Yeah, we are. Okay, apologies. Yeah, okay, good. We were going great up to that. Um, wildflower gardens, Porik. Um, somebody yeah. wondering, do we need good soil? Would it be okay to plant them in a shaded area? Well, well, actually, you need poor soil. So wildflower meadows tend to grow really well on poor soils. You know, and if you often remember the poppies in in France, they tend to grow in ditches on bits of bits of kind of rubbly soil. So it's actually poor soil that uh, wildflower meadows do really well on. So that's that's a good thing. And you can get a specific mix for shaded areas for wildflowers. So look for that. Um, it's a shaded mix. It's a, a blend of flowers that will tolerate low light levels. So. Um, to actually sow them. Okay, great. Now, I have a few clematis. They flower every year, but the stems are weak and break off. What can I do to strengthen them? And what's the best clematis to buy, asks Maureen. Oh, there's so many great varieties. I have a beautiful variety in the garden called Winter Bells. It actually flowers through the winter. And it's a clematis variety that's quite vigorous, very fast growing. It's evergreen, so it retains the leaf all year round. And it comes into flower in November and flowers to me right through till till February. So that's an unusual one called Winter Bells. Uh, but there are a lot of great summer flowering ones like Jack Vanii or Dr. Rupal is probably my favourite. It's got kind of a pink and, and, and white coloration on the petals. It's a lovely variety called Dr. Rupal. And you can actually mix different varieties together. So they're, you know, complementary. The spring flowering one is one called Montana, Montana Rubens, which is beautiful pink flowers as we come into May and a really simple variety to grow. Now, they tend by nature, to, because they're so vigorous, they have these kind of weak stems on them but a good idea is at this time of year as they're beginning to grow through the soil is to pinch them back so with a set with a, a, a scissors or with your finger and thumb take out the leading shoots of the developing clematis uh, so if it, when they're about six inches high new growth just pinch out the tops of them or cut out the tops of them and that will thicken them up and make them stronger and less weedy looking and you'll actually increase the number of flowers on the plant as well okay. so pop out have a look at your clematis pinch them back the new growth 
And, and this is the time of year to prune them back as well, particularly the summer flowering varieties. Cut them back to within kind of a foot of soil level. And then as the new growth starts, pinch back the shoots, give them a feed, and that'll build them up stronger and better and more colourful for this year. Fantastic. Now, this is uh, not a question, but uh, just a little bit of information, and I, th- I rather like it. It's from Martina uh, Porrick, and it might give people a few ideas. Uh, she says, My husband has been busy setting a vegetable garden, and we've both set tomato seeds inside we're going to have a competition to see who can grow the best ones just for fun. So there, there you go. We'd like to hear how you get on maybe in a couple of weeks' time with that. Well, brilliant. And look at the, the, the tips, a couple of tips there. Keep them inside first for at least another three to four weeks. Don't be tempted to put them out just yet. And um, I grow tomatoes in large pots and compost. It's probably the easiest way to grow them. Um, so once we get into kind of May, late, late May, it's safe enough to put them outside or put them into your greenhouse at that time of year and grow them on. Okay, great. Now, I'm in a seaside location, says Siobhan. I have a sheltered patio. I'm new to gardening. What flowers can I sow in large patio containers that will have give me f- uh, colour for summer? Uh, the containers will be along a wall, so I'd like high flowers at the back and trailing in the front. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, look, at there's so many plants you can grow. The clematis that we talked about would be perfectly happy as a climbing plant. Nasturtiums are so easy to grow. Sweet peas would do really well if you put a little bit of trellis up on the wall and they're centred and, and would love a seaside location. And then in front of that, I would plant plants, start plants off now like begonias. You could sow petunias from seed at this time of year. Marigolds would do really well beside the seaside. Violas and pansies would love that area as well. So there's a there's nothing really that you cannot grow. It sounds like a sunny, sheltered location. So geraniums that we mentioned earlier on. Um, so there's lots of plants that you could actually plant. And it's a great way to um, to get plants to flower really well is to put them into pots and containers. And in doing that, I often, in my own containers, I'll slip in something like a strawberry plant or maybe a couple of lettuce plants. So I'll have a mixture of both edible plants and flowering plants and containers on the patio for the summer. And um, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great way to grow different type of plants together. But the location sounds perfect. I don't think there's anything you won't be able to grow in that location. It sounds absolutely ideal. Okay, great. Now, um, it, would it be okay to dig up a six-foot Lalandii and replant it now? No. Okay. <laughs> the plant will die, guaranteed, if you dig it up. Lalandii do not like to be transplanted, even as young plants. Uh, they're the, you know, and particularly this is six years old yeah. and it's the wrong time of year as well. So... And even in the winter, if you move that plant, you're going to lose it. Okay. Can we clip back roses now? Yeah, and we get that question every year. So look at yes, uh, every week. So look at if you haven't pruned your roses, get out and prune them this weekend. Give them a feed. Within a couple of weeks, they're going to be pushing on some lovely new growth. And so yeah, cut them back this weekend. My red robin has black spots and holes on the leaves. What might be causing this? And is there anything I can do? Well, remember the red robin at this time of year, it's producing those lovely red colour. And if you get any sort of cold weather, sort of cold winds, which we have been having, you'll get some blacking and, and marking on the leaves. Or indeed, if it's in a frost pocket and you get a bit of frost on the foot, then you new growth, you get some blackening as well. The holes sound like there's an insect problem there. So it could be back to um, something like flea beetle or it could be our aphids as well. So just check them for any insect damage. And if there's any insects on them, put a little bit of the bug clear, the organic clear on them and that to protect them but look at Fortinia red robin it's such an easy plant to grow it'll grow out of that damage as well this is the time of year to actually trim them back and I, I put up a video actually on the Facebook page on Midwest a couple of weeks back showing the cutting back of red robin and you want to see the plants now that actually responded really well with lots of young growth 
So this is the time to trim them back. It's the time to feed red robin in your garden as well. And um, they'll be perfectly fine. It's such an easy plant to grow. Now, is it okay to sow lawn seed now? Are the temperatures too cold? And how long will it take to sprout? I'm just filling in a couple of patches, by the way. The lawn moss liquid is brilliant. Thanks. (laughs) Okay, so the repairing an area. No, look, at the weather at the moment is ideal for sowing, like I mentioned, for the sowing of new lawns, but also the repairing of, of damaged areas in the garden. So my advice is to mix some lawn seed with some compost, with some moist compost, spread it in the in the uh, damaged or bald areas and just brush it in with a yard brush and leave it alone and that will germinate within, it'll take probably two weeks at this time of year for it to germinate. Now because of the dry weather, do keep an eye on it and if, if the weather remains dry, you will need to water it probably in six or seven days' time. So my advice is to do that now this weekend, then see you next week if we're not getting any rain uh, or any heavy dew, then give it a watering as well and that'll be up in two weeks' time. So it's a great time of year for reseeding and, and uh, repairing lawns. Now, if my seedlings got scorched in the greenhouse, Josephine is wondering, are they useless or will the roots still be alive? It depends how badly they're scorched, Josephine. If it's just the outer leaves, the kind of seed leaves, if they're gone a bit brown, but there's some green bud there in the centre, then they'll, they'll be perfectly fine and they'll grow out through that. But if they're actually gone brown completely on top with the young growth damaged, then you've lost them and you need to start again. And I suppose that was my point we are getting frost at night time. We're getting quite cold temperatures. So uh, if you've got tender seedlings, so things like tomato seedlings and, and pepper seedlings, cucumber seedlings, those softer plants, they do need to be covered with a bit of garden fleece at night time just to keep them okay. protected. So check the centre. The, if the seedling is green in the centre, it will go out through that. But if it's not, you need to re-sow again and it's not too late. Now, I dug up my daffodils already. How do I store them until next autumn? Oh, well, there you go. So, well, you can either store them. My advice really would be to replant them somewhere else. And this is a great time of year for lifting daffodils and moving them to other areas of the garden and splitting them up. Uh, if you're not going, if you have no place to plant them, then put them into crates and store them in a cool, frost-free area inside, uh, somewhere like a garage or a cellar or um, that kind of location. So dark and cool and let them die back naturally. Ideally, they should have been left for another couple of weeks before lifting them. Um, but you could either plant them somewhere else and let them die back naturally and give them a feed, as I mentioned earlier, or if you haven't got space, then store them, uh, store them in a dark, cold location. OK, great. Just a couple of more minutes, and I know there's loads and loads of questions that we haven't gotten to this morning, so we'll apologise for that in advance. Porik, uh, putting in window boxes, is it too early to be at that? Well, it's, it's a, particularly with tender plants, dear, it's a little bit early yet. Again, I would try and keep them in your greenhouse or in your tunnel or keep them in a, in a sheltered part of the garden. So it's just a little early yet, so just be careful with the, with the colder temperatures at the moment. OK. I've wallflowers located near the house in big pots. One of them is flowering at the moment, but no flowers in the other one. Why might this be? Oh, it's unusual. They should be flowering, and I would just leave them for the moment. Uh, they will, they should come into flower for you. Wallflowers are in full flower at the moment, so just give them maybe another week or fortnight, and there should be buds being initiated in kind of a, in the the tops of the shoots of wallflowers at the moment. And um, so, give them another week or two, and let's see will they come into bloom for you. But they should there should be no reason why they shouldn't flower for you? Okay, we didn't get to that answer to that cordline question, did we? We didn't. Uh... Yeah. So the cord line, so mm. what I was saying was that the cord lines, the new growth comes from the centre and you get the browning of the leaves on the outer edges, which is totally normal with cord lines. And that can be pruned off and trimmed off. So with a, with a, a sharp blade, cut off any of the brown uh, damaged leaves. 
and um, the new growth will come from the centre. Okay. It's just a matter of, of tidying things back there. Um, now, I have two hebes in two pots. Can I replant them? I did this before and they died on me. They're fairly big when replanting. Do I need specific soil? No, hebes are very, very easy to grow, so I'm surprised at the sales the previous time. This is a really good time of year for actually moving plants out of pots and into the garden soil. And when you do that, make sure you give them a good heavy watering and give them a liquid feed as well. But hebes will transplant no problem whatsoever out of containers. This is a really good time to do that. I would remove about six inches of the top of the shrub as well. That'll help to thicken it out and make it nice and bushy. And don't forget the watering once you transplant them. So leave the tap running for maybe 10 minutes on each plant to give them a good heavy soaking. Okay, brilliant. Um, now, uh, sorry, now just, uh, I have a hosta in a tub. Uh, can I split it into another pot now? Yes, you can. It's a great time. Even though it's budding and there's new growth coming on it, you can take it out of the pot that it's in split it into two or three pieces and replant it into other pots or move some of it into the garden soil. So it's a, an absolutely perfect time for transplanting and dividing up hostas and astilbes and agapanthus and all those herbaceous plants and moving them to new areas in the garden. Okay. Uh, blueberry bushes and strawberry plants, both of flowers. Do I need to feed them? And if so, with what? Yeah, a good, a good feed. So a tomato feed would be good or Blooming Magic is very good as well for all fruiting plants. So liquid feed them at this time of year and that'll, that'll boost them on. Absolutely. Okay. And just some of these questions we've probably had already now so I'm just trying to filter through them. Um, bum, bum, bum. Carrot root fly. We've talked about those and we've talked about strawberries. Sorry now, Boric. Um I've started off various vegetable seeds inside the house. The thing is, when are they ready to be transplanted out into a ridge or a bigger pot or crate? They appear to look, though, like they're dying after being transplanted. Um, so, wondering, what am I doing wrong? Would they have gone out a bit too early? Well, they may have, but it depends what plants they are. If they're things like cabbage and cauliflower and uh, onions and, and lettuce, they're perfectly fine to go out of doors. It is a good idea to harden them up a little bit, put them out maybe for a day or so and take them in at night time before transplanting them fully out into the garden soil because obviously inside they're, they're very soft and very tender. So by putting them out for a day or two and taking them in at night time hardens them up before fully transplanting them out. But all our hardy vegetables can be put out of doors this time of year. Okay, lovely. And somebody, and I think we'll probably end on this one, Park. How long will flax last out of the ground before being replanted? Oh, it needs to be, well, you know, a, a day, a couple of days. But once it starts to dry up, it, it'll start to, the plant will suffer and start to go back. So within a day or two, it should be, should be replanted. Um, so don't leave it exposed to the air for, for too long. So a couple of days at most uh, before, before getting it back into the garden soil. And again, give it a good heavy soaking after planting. Okay, great stuff. Park, we're going to leave it there for this morning. Okay, talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Look after yourself and to everybody in Horkins as well. All right, not at all. Thank you. That's it uh, from Gardening for uh, this Saturday morning. Standby Michael Neary is coming your way after the news at 10 with the very best in country right through until one o'clock this afternoon. All going well. I'll be back with you again next Saturday just after seven. Thanks indeed for all your company and all the questions and apologies to those we didn't get to. We're going to hang on to them and try to address some of those for you next week. Until then, good morning to you.